Before we get back to the calls, I just got one thing to say about Terry McLaurin. If you didn't think the dude was a great receiver yet, the catch he made on Darius Slay, okay? Darius Slay, not Bobby Flay, Darius Slay. All right, Darius Slay, top top third of corners in the National Football League, okay? Slay's got his left arm kind of compromised, and Terry McLaurin still makes the freaking catch on a great throw by Heineke, by the way. Give Taylor a lot of credit for dropping that dime over the shoulder in there. But what a ridiculous grab by McLaurin, despite having his left arm being grabbed by Darius Slay on the play last night. So, as I said, and I tweeted this on my way in this morning, the people on the football side of this operation, Chris, are incredibly easy to root for. We we talk about it. I try to talk about this all the time. We look at our football heroes and our athletes as a whole in sports as these larger-than-life you know, almost cyborg-like figures. And we don't get to see the human side. We saw the human side with Ron Rivera oh, yeah. getting emotional after the game. And you see what it means, what life means to them. And persevering through what Ron went through last week, you know, laying his mom to rest, going through the emotions of losing, obviously, such a significant family member. But yet having to some to compartmentalize and professionally do your job, get your team ready. Commitment to the staff for the job they did last week as well. And they have done because after the first two weeks of the season, Chris, we were ready to write some of this group off on the coaching staff. Okay. Yeah, fans wanted Jack Del Rio yeah. fired. Jack Del Rio's been the best assistant coach. Yeah. Maybe the best coach, but certainly been the best assistant coach. Since week two. I mean, after that Detroit thing, they started to figure things out. And don't think for one minute, don't think for one minute, the subtraction of William Jackson III on the field, as Roy and Brunswick indicated, if my defense isn't giving up 30 free yards a game because my corner is committing just silly pass interference penalties because of lack of technique, lack of effort. William Jackson III did that from game one last year. And compromised. game one last year. And when your guy is doing that, you're now compromising the other members of the defense as well. You know who they also benched last night along those lines? Rashad Wild Goose. They had already taken him out of the slot for Danny Johnson last week, but he was active and on special teams mostly or only. Last night, they benched him all together. Maybe not benched is the right word, but they didn't give him a chance to screw them on 22 yards worth of field position on special teams. Now, they did, ironically, still wipe out a really good Antonio Gibson kickoff return to start the game because of a penalty, but still. Which cost them like 35 yards worth of field position. Yeah, instead of being but, at the 43, they started at the 8. Exactly. But they didn't let Wild Goose beat them in terms of a penalty in the slot. And remember, he had two defensive pass interference penalties against the Eagles in week three. And he had taken basically, I think it was six penalties in five games or five penalties in six games or whatever it was uh, leading up until last night. Real quick, global view here on the other side. Philadelphia, you know, finally, you know, it's like when, you know, when when the big Russian Ivan Drago got mm-hmm. hit finally by Rocky Balboa. Right. And they said, he's cut, Rock. He's cut. Philadelphia got cut last night, finally. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
a a worrying trend for the NFC leader all season that now I think it's like four games in a row teams have had a modicum of running success five yeah so and we're counting last night plus they didn't have Davis in there last night I think that qualifies it a little bit when you're missing him right well they haven't but, had him for the last two and a half games correct so when you're missing him is that a worrisome trend for yeah. the NFC leader or they get him back then everything's going to kind of you know come together again uh for them and do you anticipate this being the start of something more drastic for them or do you think that's a team that gets right back on the bike and and keeps on going here i i i i'm worried about that part of of them that that right now I don't want to say it's their only flaw because they turned the ball over a bunch of times last night, but because they hadn't shown the propensity to do that. As a matter of fact, they had more turnovers last night, four, than they had all year. Yeah. Combined. Right. In eight games. Yep. Think about that. Okay? Right now, their only flaw seems to be run defense. Give you a couple of numbers. And this is why, you know, again, I think everybody talked about this. Maybe nobody saw it exactly the way it turned out. But net yards rushing allowed. At Arizona, October 9th, 124. At Dallas, oh, I'm sorry, home for Dallas on October 16th, they allowed um, 134. Uh, after the bye, home for Pittsburgh, October 30th, 144. Allowed in terms of net yards rushing. 11-3 at Houston. Short week. They lose Jordan Davis in this game. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. They lost him in the Pittsburgh game, I think it was. Uh, they allow 168. And then last night, 152. And again, when you can't run that five-man bear front, right, which a lot of teams, or as Logan Paulson calls it, a Cinco package, um, when when you can't when 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 you can't do that, that when you don't have a true nose like a Jonathan Ridgeway has emerged as a true like that that hurts you man because teams know that they can soften you up and get those third and ones and get those third and twos and keep your offense off the field and keep you guessing and open up that whole entire playbook that you mentioned. So I, I, again. Five straight games where the Eagles' run defense has been gashed, and they got gashed against Detroit to open up the year. The four games after that, or the three games after that, where Jordan Davis really started to come on, 62-87-71, including 87 against Washington in Week 3. And the five games since then, the lowest they've allowed is 124. 301-230-0980. Let's get back to the phones. Oh, we got to go to line two. Little was in attendance. He watched this last night. What's up, Little? Hey, gentlemen. Gentlemen, man, I was at I was at the game, Pete. Man, look, man, I tell you, man, I, I've been waiting for long. I'm gonna give um Scott Turner a lot of play, a lot of a lot of praise on the play calling, man. He he shortened down my man's steps in the in the pocket. Yes. You know, Seven-step drop to a three-step drop. Then we went back to Tahanigi 2021. Boom. One other thing, Pete. I got a bathroom story for y'all, too, man. I tell you, man. <laughs> Look, my wife said, you better not like that cigar. We we walking through the stadium, me and my wife and, uh, and a friend, you know, a cousin, stay in Westside Philly. 
So these guys, um, one big guy, he fought. This guy, big guy, but I think about six four. I'm six two, two two twenty myself, Pete. I, you know, I'm kind of cut, man. So I go in the bathroom. Then he got the two white guys must have been with him, but they look, you know, West Side Philly. The white guys, them, them boys, kind of tough on the West Side. So you go, I, I'm in the bathroom. So the guy said, "Oh, you was the man on the TV screen talking about hush up." I said, "Yeah, I shut the stadium down. I got a little, I got a little TV time." On the on the uh, on the big screen at, at the game, I had my figure said, "Be quiet." <laughs> so, but look, we get we get in we get in the bathroom. So the guy was like, um, "Yeah, y'all had y'all had a hell of a game." So the white guy, he he was like, "Oh, but well, but man, look, you can't be up in here, man, talking about no so no hush up crowd." So I grabbed a bar in the bathroom. I knocked out about five pull ups, Pete. <laughs> so the dude was like, man, look, the dude was like, man, you feeling, you feeling really strong today. So I said, yeah, man, my, my uh, wife cousin got a um, uh, husband on a barbershop, B-Rob, on a barbershop down on West Baltic. And then the black guy said, oh, man, you family, man, you family. But, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago. His wife was with us, though. <laughs> so I, I said, I got to say something so I can get up out of here. But anyhow, man, look. No, um, we're going to have to call my man Missilefoot Slide. Man, I give him all the credit. Joe, B-Rob did exactly what he, we, we supposed to do, Chris. We, we posed, we, he supposed to tote that ball and move that ball like that. But my player of the game is Missilefoot Slide. That's his new name, man. And, um, look, all praise to Scott Turner, too, man. He called a hell of a game. Only two plays that I did. I said, I got some thing I feel a little bad about inside the three-yard line they passed. That's when you supposed to gut them. You was gutting them the whole time. Only on that one little flare pass out, right. out the um Yeah, but then and Heineke, the, Heineke got sacked on third right. down. Although he, he did have Antonio piece. Gibson open for a flash if he would have seen right, him before right. the, the the roof caved yeah, in. But Troy, hey, that's what Detroit that's what Troy Eggman said. But look, your man Troy Eggman, Pete. Hey Pete, he got something to talk about now. He's gonna tell us hey, say, hey, he got a lot to tell these people about them about them boys of um the commander's office of the line. And one other thing, I'm going to get off the phone. The military was, was, man, was hyping up for the commanders. And then West, and them Philly, Frank, I know they was based in Philly. The military was clapping along with the commanders. And them Philly fans, they appreciate that, man. Hey, wow. look, y'all stay up. God appreciate bless you, man. Hoss. Thanks, Little Hope. Glad you had a good time at the game last night. Let's go to line four. Roberto's on a victory Tuesday. What's up, Roberto? It's a victory Tuesday. <laughs> and I called her yesterday. I called Doc. I said, look, don't worry about it. We got them. Because everybody was hyping them up. The pregame was like on the Eagles and, and what he was going to do. Jalen this, Jalen that. And the interview with McNabb. And, 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 and I mean, it was. And, and, and Vic and them and all of that. I mean, they was hyping that boy up. <laughs> yeah, until the defense said, nah, not today, buddy. Not today. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of hustle you know plays. I mean? Yeah, a lot of hustle plays out there. The St. Juice oh, play man, that was awesome. to that, knock it out from was, Watkins. That was, football. Yeah. that was football at its best yesterday. And the commanders, my brothers and sisters, the commanders, Put, put respect on that name. The Commanders. 
Well, I, right. I, I think a we lot of I think a lot of people are yeah I think a lot of people are going to be putting respect on that. I'll, I'll I will tell you also this right before the two minute warning, uh-huh. not only the re kick decision by Ron, which was smart because it got them under two minutes and it and and it cost the Eagles that final timeout. Back to back plays, Jonathan Allen with a rip move on Landon Dickerson and uh and then Montez uh Montez sweat with the sack on third down back to back plays man they drew the holding and call and then the sack on third down that was monstrous because hey, the Eagles were still hey, within less than a score or less than a touchdown yes, hey, at that spot at the end of the game the Hanneken flop that caused that flag to be thrown uh, that was another smart move Another smart move. No that doubt about it. Brilliant. Yeah, no doubt brilliant. about it. Thank you, Roberto. As always, we appreciate it. Yeah, Jimmy, I what, mean, a, listen, what a heavy first, play. First of all, that penalty, which people are screaming about in Philadelphia, go screw. I, that is the – I mean, he – like, I I read a pool report. Now, they said they didn't see the face mask on the Dallas Goddard fumble. Okay, we talked about that earlier. That, again, not only means they missed a 15-yard penalty that would have been tacked on for the Eagles on a tight end screen, but also it would have wiped away the turnover. Right. Okay? On that last play, unless you are a dumb Eagles homer, and there are plenty of you out there, okay, eating your Wawa subs, hoagies, sorry, can't call him a sub. Hoagie. Had the Wawa burger on my way home from Coppin State last That's night. That's about as surprising as, you know, I added bacon last night, whoa, too. A little applewood bacon, my friend. Applewood smoked and bacon. And, of course, you slathered some honey Dijon on it. Believe it or not, right? I ate it plain last night. Because it no would, ketchup? No, because... Then it would leak it on your shirt? leaky, and, and, and yeah, yeah, and it would have been sloppy. All right. Anyway, while they're eating their Wawa hoagies, and there's nothing wrong with a Wawa hoagie, I'm just saying. Turkey season. The Eagles fans are screaming and whining about how unfair that penalty was. Well, again, Chris. At get, the end. What do we hey, talk listen, about? You do, can't do that. No, what do we talk about all the time? Hate the rule. You can hate the rule. Yeah. But the just like the Benjamin St. Juice P.I. call. Right. By letter of the law. It was a defensive pass interference. It's DPI. Right. Okay. Do we... I mean, Slay pulling McLaurin's arm down and yeah. not getting called you for it, even though Terry up, made the you catch. You should be more upset if you're an Eagles fan about the Goddard fumble, face Correct. mask, that's whatever. The, yes, that's that the play the you turn, should be outraged. Not the last play. Right. Because that's Heineke saying, you know what? If I'm going to get sacked here, they sure as hell ain't tripping it from me and forcing a fumble and disaster. And I'm staying in bounds. I'm Absolutely. not throwing an incomplete pass. Because I even tweeted it before the play drive. Right. I'm like, please don't screw this up. Yep. Do not throw an incomplete pass. Do not pass. throw an incomplete. It kept the... And, it, and I saw, and I'm like, oh my God. I'm right. like, Scott's calling a pass. Right. But... but it, but that must have been the, right the, the hey, if if it's not yes. obvious, right. like, but just go down. The the roughing on Graham, that's going to get called, whether it's Tom Brady, Taylor Heineke, or Chris Russell playing quarterback. The play you should be angry about 100% is the face mask that was missed. And, again, as I said, mechanically on that play, there are at least two officials, not just one, two Possibly even three, though the umpire is shielded because it's on the it's on the the umpire can't see through the player to see where Jamin Davis is grabbing. So I, I'm going to absolve the umpire, but the line judge and the side judge or headlinesman and field judge, depending on what side of the field they're on, that's two guys 
that are looking in at that area on that play and both miss what should have been obvious. That's a clear view from that side of the field mechanically that two officials miss in that situation. Let's go to line one. Kevin's in D.C. What's up, Kevin? All right. Uh, first of all, bittersweet. I mean, bittersweet, especially in the division. Um, I'm mad at the, the face mask um, um, situation because um, that's taken away from us dominating the whole game. Don't get me wrong, I would be mad too. But that's part of the game. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Because at home, they always seem to miss uh, Washington. But anyway, um, I want y'all to picture this. You run your neighborhood. You by yourself. You see five dudes. You pick up the toughest dude. You give him a beat down. Mm-hmm. That sets the tone for everybody else. That right there, that game, let everybody know in the East, y'all know what's coming. Now, with that being said, I'm, I'm tired of people going back and forth with Heineke or Wentz. Heineke or Wentz. Look, by far, I think Wentz is the better quarterback. But for this team right now, moving forward, Heineke is the better person for this team right now. You could put Tom Brady behind this offensive line who was banged up and terrible, and he wouldn't be successful. Right now, you need a mobile quarterback, plain and simple. Um, Heineke, yeah, he brings, you know, energy, a will, you know, a toughness to the game, but he has no understanding of it. You know, he has no vision. I don't like Heineke either, but he's the best quarterback moving forward. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say one more, couple more things. Now, I love Scott Turner's call of the um, offense um, yesterday. I don't know why people hung up on this. He's, he's just throwing three, four yards. I love it. Take what you can get. You never complained about that with Tom Brady up in New England when um, um, Belichick was doing it. I take Dink and Dunks all day long. Move the chain. Move the chain. That's it. Oh, one more last thing. I know he didn't play last last night, but get rid of that offensive line turner. Terrible. All right, that's it. Kevin, appreciate it. Your thought and your evaluation of Wentz and Heineke is exactly right. And both can be correct. Physically, in terms of physical traits, yes, Carson Wentz is the guy that's going to get the nod 10 times out of 10 if we're just evaluating physical traits for the position. But you're absolutely right, Kevin. Taylor Heineke right now, right now of the three quarterbacks on this roster, is the guy for right now with this team that has them 5-5 five and five and still very much alive mathematically with a game going to Houston. But now the maturity check comes for Washington. You've got to go to a Houston team that's struggled mightily. Okay, Their defense has been reputable. Their offense has not. You can't let them come alive with Damian Pierce this week against you and you know give up this momentum that you've established now with Heineke winning three out of four as a starter for this football team. So the maturity check on the football side comes this week for Washington. Is there any question in your mind whether it should be four or whether it should be Wentz this coming week, 
if Wentz is physically capable and ready to go. 301-230-0980. It's touchdown at 10 on a Victory Tuesday right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Halfway home on a Victory Tuesday. Time to get more intelligent about how we talk about the world of the commanders, the world of football. How do we do that? We bring in the most intelligent man in Washington, D.C. talking about football. And that, of course, the former Bruin, the former UCLA tight end. the man, tarantula. The man who has 0.03% body fat, (laughs) the great Logan Paulson. Logan, Pete and Chris here. How are you, sir? Man, I'm great. I have, it's been a while since I've talked to both of you, so this is a good day for me. I know. I, we appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, I just don't like to bother you, Logs. You know, I mean, you know, you're a busy man. You're doing the TV thing. You've got the Take Command podcast with Hoffy Hoff. I mean, you you know, you're breaking down things uh, on Instagram. Uh, you're a good family man. You're training all sorts of uh, warriors at the next level. I try not to bother you uh, as much, but thanks for uh, thanks for making time for us uh, as always. Um, all right, so let's start with this. From a, a, a run aspect last night, I mean, clearly run 49 times, um, uh, whatever the yardage was, control time of possession. Logan, I, maybe I'm missing something. I thought creative and not, not just regular motion where, you know, you run kind of a, you know, a big old tight end from left to right or right to left or whatever, and you're trying to determine pre-snap maybe a shift or, or man coverage. I thought creative motion by Scott Turner and the commander's offense led to a lot of their success last night. Do you buy that? I mean, I think what they've done is they've found a, a running identity. They found plays they like. They found a way in terms of motion to get to the plays they like. I think everyone who's familiar with this team is familiar with a play called duo. It's basically power with no puller, lots of double teams on the front side. And I think Scott Turner and the, you know, John Masco have done an excellent job of finding an innovative way to get to the same kind of effect you get when you call duo from a two tight end uh, formation to the right. So I think what, um, what I like there is that they've, they've got an identity. They've got a play that they like. They've got a play that gives them numbers advantages. They've got a play that speaks to their offensive line skill set. And they've got a back in Brian Robinson who obviously feels relatively comfortable executing it. Obviously that's not the only one that they run, but they have a, it's given them an opportunity to kind of execute that run at a higher level. It's given them a play action pass off of that run that gives a more aggressive run sell, which is something that they've lacked in the play action pass department. So I I'm fired up about that. You know, you, you mentioned the motion, the big tight end, Armani Rogers, Logan Tom, Thomas have done an excellent job with that block in terms of keeping that defensive end wide and creating a run lane there for you. And obviously it was a little bit muddy for most of the game last night. They averaged about three yards of carry, but, um, you know, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that kind of attitude. And um, I think that little wrinkle that they've added from a run game standpoint has been a nice touch. Now it will just be interesting to see what the next evolution of that of that is in the coming weeks. Logan, is there a drastic difference in what Scott Turner is drawing up from an offensive philosophy standpoint with Taylor Heineke than it was with Carson Wentz? I think what you're seeing is a change in um, 
yeah, philosophy is probably the right word, just approach, right? I think they understand as a team now, Scott does, where their bread is buttered, and they are going to be very conservative offensively. I think early in the year, I think they looked at the landscape of their skill position players and said, man, we need to find ways to get them the football early and often. And unfortunately, that put Carson Wentz in a situation where um, behind an offensive line that wasn't playing super effectively at the time, where there was a lot of opportunity for him to take negative plays. And basically, I think they've come to the realization over the last, you know, four weeks that the defense is going to win them football games, games, special teams are going to win them football games. And it's really about the offense playing a conservative brand of football that allows them to stay in the football game, right? Can they possess the football? Can they execute on third down and just not screw it up? And I think that is what you're seeing with Taylor Heineke at the helm, much like Dallas did uh, with Cooper Rush at the helm, right? Lots of emphasis on running the football, lots of play action pass, finding ways to elevate um, his skill set and limit the high-risk variance that uh, Taylor Heineke can bring to the game um, in a negative way. I mean, obviously, you want the high variance that he brings. I think the third and sixth completion of Curtis Samuel last night was absolutely outstanding. Um, the third and two completion early in the game to Terry McLaurin, also outstanding by Taylor. But you want to make sure you're managing that as best you can. And I think Scott has basically shifted his approach. I'm sure Ron has had a big influence on it just because the defense is playing so well. And so that's the difference I see in the offense. There's not this this uh, this emphasis or focus on pushing the football down the field. It's really on saying, let's be conservative. Um, let's possess the football. Let's be very uh, selective about when we're shooting and hunting for our big plays. And we're really going to lean on the offensive line in the run game to kind of help us shorten games and help us put our defense in advantageous situations. Logan underscore Paulson 82 is how you follow him on Instagram. Does a tremendous job breaking down the video there. Of course, watch him all across the Washington Commanders television uh, network uh, between NBC Sports Washington and all the social media channels uh, doing all the breakdowns there uh, and analysis. And of course, you can check out the Take Command podcast with Craig Hoffman at Logan Paulson available right now on Odyssey for the great Logan Paulson. Um, so it, it again, I, I never know whether I'm seeing things that I'm late on or not, but I'll just ask it to you because you're the expert and I'm just me. Um, <laughs> it seemed to me, it seemed to me like um, when, when they chose to throw last night that they didn't have to, you know, like so many fans want, uh, Taylor Heineke to move around, run around, scramble, throw off platform, extend plays, boot, whatever. And they don't do a lot of that. It seemed to me like they found a comfort spot for him last night, whether it was at a pistol gun, what have you. And he was able to, again, read the middle of the field. And, and sometimes he was off. There's no doubt. Uh, obviously, the interception into converging double, fine. And I know that was on the left sideline. But it, it seemed like they found a good release point for him, a good launch point for him, a good way for him to see over the middle of the line of scrimmage, which he obviously had trouble with last week. Did you see some of that last night? Yeah, so basically I think you know what you've described there are tools, tools that an offensive coordinator has and can utilize to help mitigate a pass rush, right? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, for example, use a lot of boot, use a lot of play action, use a lot of waggle or half roll type stuff to change the launch point and elevate the offensive line. Um, obviously, Scott Turner, you know, he, he deployed some of that last night. I think there was probably three to five kind of keeper play action plays where he's moving the pocket. I think Philly did a nice job trying to keep Taylor in that, which probably limits how often you're going to call that stuff. But again, I like what Scott Turner's thinking there. And the other way, you know, to kind of manage pass rush and 
um, you know, help your offensive line out is to go on long drives. Because a tired defensive front does not rush the passer very well. So the longer you can sustain a drive, the more opportunities you have to just get in your normal kind of drop-back passing sets, understanding that those guys are not going to be at their best. Obviously, they've had to take on double teams for the first two plays of this series or whatever it is. They're not going to be ready to rush the passer. And I also think being very selective about when you call your passes. And I think, you know, an effective running game allows you to do that. Being effective on third down allows you to do that. But being selective about those passes, so it's not super predictive. I think one of the things, you know, that Pete was kind of alluding to perhaps is that early in the season there was a, there was a very predictive cadence to the play calling, right? They'd get in these second and long, third and long situations, and it's like we immediately have mm-hmm. to pass the football. And those situations are bad for I don't care who you are. You could have the best offensive line in the world. Those are tough situations to win because, you know, everyone says playing defensive back is the hardest job in the NFL pass protecting on third and long versus a good pass rusher. It's for my money is the hardest thing. And when you're putting the team in those situations a lot, it's not going to bode well. So you're able to avoid those situations, extend drives and basically use a different type of tool as opposed to moving the pocket screen game off platform throws, all those different things to mitigate the effectiveness uh, of the pass rush and elevate your offensive line. And by extension, elevate your quarterback. You know, Logan, Chris and I were talking about this earlier. The fact that for Heineke to be successful, the most of those throws have to stay in the intermediate area because it, it, it really goes to his arm strength. The fact that Philadelphia's linebackers had to stay committed at the line of scrimmage, particularly on third down because it was such a short down and distance. Linebackers that have to respect at three to four yards instead of being able to drop to seven, eight, nine yards, I thought was huge in this game last night because it gave Taylor Heineke an even greater window now to throw the football into as opposed to if the linebackers were able to take a deeper drop as you usually get on third down because the down and distance allows them to do so. I thought that was one of the critical things in this game that allowed Taylor to be so efficient on those intermediate throws because he's dropping the ball over linebackers who are nowhere near as deep as they might be if it's third and seven, third and eight, where they can be much more of a hindrance to you. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. They had a whole bunch of third and shorts. They were able to convert either running the football or, like you said, throwing the football and putting Taylor in a good position to make some of those throws. Uh, but also I think Taylor deserves a lot of credit. You know, Obviously, he had two turnovers in the game, which I'm sure he would want back, and I'm sure you know that's not an ideal situation for anybody. But I do think that, like, he deserves a lot of credit. Like, the, the completion of Curtis Samuel, that's third and eight. Does an excellent job there. He has a second and 11 completion to Jahan Dotson. That gets you a first down. Excellent job there. The ball to, uh, to Terry McLaurin off of a play-action pat. Like, he, he found a way to make some plays and elevate this group. And I do think you're right, Pete. I think that, you know, obviously running the football and getting in those kind of more manageable situations – just again, it elevates your pass, pass rush. It elevates your quarterback because there's more on the table for the defense to stop. And I think that's what you see. Like, you know, one of the things in the post game conferences, press conferences that came out is like, we didn't have any penalties and we didn't have any negative plays. Mm-hmm. And I think that is when you're, when you're operating in this type of game plan, like that's where you need to be at. I think if anybody thinks back to the Dallas game, just how many negative plays and how many penalties they had, oh, it God, makes yeah. this type of football unsustainable, right? So for them to kind of be clean, being these third manageable situations, I think, speaks to the offensive efficiency, the coaching, and, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it puts those linebackers in a position where they can't be at their best because they can't play fast and they can't play decisive. And 
I think it does elevate your quarterback. Uh, one more for me, uh, just you know, word on the defense. Listen, I mean, at, at, early in the game, the up-tempo nature of the Eagles, along with short field on the first touchdown, certainly benefited them. And whenever they went up-tempo, it seemed like they got into a rhythm and had some success. They just didn't have the ball long enough. Besides the takeaways, what did you see from the defense? I pointed to uh, that sequence right before the two-minute warning and that weird punt situation where Allen just kicked Landon Dickerson's ass a couple of times and then Montez Sweat had the sack on third down. Anything else that you saw from the defense that you really liked? Well, I think that's the thing that's kind of surprising is the defense has been playing out of this world, but I think it just shows you how good Philly's offense is. Because when you watch the All-22 film cut up, like Philadelphia was rolling. And the only thing that was able to stop their momentum consistently was the fact that they were able to get some turnovers. And so uh, some of those turnovers were a little fortuitous, a little bit lucky, but I think it also speaks to the nature uh, and the intensity with which the defense is playing. And what I mean by that is, like, let's take the Benjamin St. Juiced force fumble, right? He gets beat pretty badly. He could easily give up on that play. But for him to come out, punch the ball out, then for Forrest to recover that excellent job, Forrest, the eye discipline on the first interception, outstanding job. And then our guy, John Ridgway, weighing in at uh, a meager 335 pounds, <laughs> you know, given, given the old left-hand hook to the football there, you know, irrespective of the, the face mask by Jamin, like that's good effort. Those are good hustle plays. And mm-hmm. they're kind of manufacturing their own luck in some of those instances. Um, this is, I think, one of the, um, you know, I don't want to say the worst games that they've played in recent history, but this is the best, one of the best offenses that they've played. And, and you could see that. And good kudos to them for finding an edge, finding a way to win, you know, kind of manufacturing some of these turnovers. And like you said, uh, Chris, when they had to have it at the end of the game, they're getting that three and out. You know, the three and out before halftime um, also kind of keeping points off the board. They made enough plays, but if you look at uh, Philly's third down conversion rate, it was, I think it was like five for eight, you know, so it wasn't like they were slowing them down too much, but they just made plays when they had to. And that speaks to kind of a group that you can win with and can win in multiple ways. They can beat you up, stopping the run. They can also, it looks like they can start manufacturing turnovers, which I think is an exciting proposition because that group has really been the, you know, the piece that you can hang this, hang, this team can hang their hat on. And it's quite frankly how they're building the offense, how they're building the special teams. That's all to support that defense. And I think that's rightfully so because they've shown that they can handle that responsibility. I'll let you out on this because you've been in a locker room. You play the game so you would know. Is there a real thing about belief in a player at the most important position in pro sports inside of a locker room? Meaning right now, if you're Ron Rivera, is there really much of a decision at the quarterback spot as you get ready for Houston coming up this week? Um, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this. I was talking about this with Craig on the Take a Man podcast, and I think Craig had some uh, really insightful thought on this. I think, um, you know, for me, I think those guys believe in him. I think they should believe him. I think he's got a little bit of magic, and whether that magic is real or perceived, it becomes a reality for the guys. And I think that that's something that Ron is acutely aware of, and he's going to find a way to make sure that Heineke starting for next week. And I think, you know, Craig kind of worded it like, you know, oh, Carson Wentz hasn't really been throwing. We'll find a way uh, to get him maybe not this week, but the week after because it's a short week or whatever because of the Monday night game. And I think you'll see something like that. I think Heineke will be starting against Houston. If he wins against Houston, I think he's definitively put his stamp on saying that, you know, I might not be the best quarterback on the team, but I'm the best quarterback for this team. And I think the guys are believing that guys like winning football games, fans like winning football games. And it causes a little bit of that magic, man, that belief that you can get things done. And, and he's shown that he's, he's, uh, he's deserving of that magic and uh, really excited for this team and, and the direction they're headed. 
You make us smarter every time we talk to you, Hoss. Appreciate the visit this morning, and uh, we will certainly have you back as this team uh, keeps going down the stretch. Logan, appreciate the time this morning. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. You got it. Logan underscore Paulson82 at Instagram. Tremendous film breakdowns throughout the week, all the time. And certainly, I'm sure, more ahead this week is to showing you why Washington was successful last night, knocking off the Philadelphia Eagles, giving them their first defeat of the season. More of your calls coming up next. 301-230-0980. Is there much of a thought to you? Is there much of a choice for Ron Rivera right now? Four or 11? Who's it going to be for you as they get set for Houston coming up with a chance to go to 6-5 and five this week? Chris has a look at what's trending. All right, indeed. The Commanders with their huge upset win over the previously 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles last night at the link. And now the Commanders back to 5-5, five and five, heading to Lovey Smith and the one-win Houston Texans this Sunday. Looks like they'll be armed with more. Chase Young, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, expected to make his debut and be activated this week after not playing uh, and, of course, being activated last night. We will see. Ron Rivera will meet with the media at around 3.30 this afternoon. Light practice on Wednesday uh, and then fuller practices on Thursday and Friday before heading down to Houston. Meanwhile, tonight, the Washington Capitals try and get back to their winning ways, sort of, Um against the Florida Panthers, the team that eliminated them in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. That game on 106.7 The Fan. You can hear pregame coverage at 645. Wizards with their four-game winning streak off until tomorrow night when they host Oklahoma City. We'll see about Bradley Beal in terms of his potential return. And that's what's trending. Last night, the Commanders took on the city of brotherly love. Walked home with the victory. Got on the bus. Headed to the airport. They take the train to Philly or they fly? No, no, no. They fly. Still, I... It's um, a 25-minute I mean, flight. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, if you've seen on social media, Heineke was actually doing the Kirk Cousins oh, change bit. Um, <laughs> now he didn't. I didn't see him do like the 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 whatever. I'm gonna that. guess Taylor Heineke is probably a little better equipped to get his groove on than Kirk is. Yeah, I didn't see the dance like that Cousins did mm-hmm. standing. If for those of you that. Uh, I mean, it's all over the place. The one that Schefter impersonated yeah, on. Basically. Yeah, basically. And I don't know if that's the gritty or I I, I get confused Mm-mm. with all of these. I don't think I, it I was think, that. I think what um um what Casey Twohill did yes, last night was, at the yes. end was the gritty, right? Correct. Cousins was doing some other weird sort of day. So I didn't see Heineke. Kurt, Cousins was doing, for lack of a better term, the white man that can't dance right. routine. Heineke was just mostly sitting, no but he was wearing a lot of chains, and they even found like some glasses <laughs> that that almost were very similar to Kirk's, um, and 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 put those on him. But I didn't see him actually dancing. But what was interesting, what caught a lot of people's eye, was that he was drinking on the plane. He was having a, I believe it was a Bush Light, uh, in a can, mm-hmm. right? Which is and, allowable, by and, the way. And, well, you know, so <laughs> it's so okay. Some people. 
Uh, made a little bit of a big deal out of it because, you know, if he's having one beer, is he having five? Is He, he having, just finished you know, playing a football game, I, and he's not playing one tomorrow. Under, understood. Understood. Today As, is a day off. Understood. Doesn't mean you can have six or seven or doesn't whatever. Mean, just because he has one in his hand. I, I understand Doesn't that. mean he was getting, like, people that go out to the bar at night and I, have a social drink. I get that. Doesn't mean they're getting plowed and driving a, I home I wasn't afterwards. accusing him. I was just saying some people are making a big deal out of it. The other thing is, of course, you remember, right? I mean, he became a, a almost a cultural phenomenon with saying uh, that he wanted, uh, you know, the, the Bud Light. Right. And Bud Light sponsored him and mm-hmm. picked it. Now, Bud Light dropped their sponsorship. Anheuser-Busch did of the commanders. Remember so they're probably that? not going to have that. Sh- they would be at the ver- they would. I would imagine they would be at the mercy of whoever their charter, as Lenny could probably tell you. Yeah. If you know, like when I'm on Southwest, they give us Coke based products. Um, or yeah, whoever it's United that they still. Fly OK, with. so yeah. whoever United yeah. uses contractually. Yeah. Um, you know, as to, to pour on their planes, right. that's who they would be. Now, somebody was mentioning this morning, uh, just real quickly, uh, that, you know, I don't know if they're allowed to drink on the plane or whatever. I don't ever remember in my six years of flying with them a rule that said they weren't allowed to, but I don't know if they readily had it available for them. I know Bruce used to drink like a fish all the time. Um, Mr. Coors Light. But I don't know if he had his own stash or whatever, where he got it from. I, I've heard some stories, um, you know, of, of, of some extra special requests. But for the players, you know, again, you don't want necessarily, even if it's one or two or three or whatever, you don't want players get loaded on a flight back, especially a long flight back. Now, this is a 20... 26-minute flight from Philadelphia back to Dulles, but you don't want players, you know, two, three, four, whatever it is, and being tired and then driving from Redskins Park to wherever their place is, you know? I mean, you don't want to even risk that chance. So, you know, I don't know what the deal is. I don't care enough. Nothing happened. Uh, I, you know, hopefully it was a short enough flight where you you couldn't get loaded, even if you tried. I guess you could, but hopefully it was a short enough flight where they didn't have to. This Sunday will be a longer flight home from Houston, and hopefully, just hopefully, they do not take Houston lightly because that could easily happen in the NFL where they take Houston, an opponent look, lightly. Every week, if you go look, Houston is competitive every week. Last week, competitive as hell with the Eagles. It was only 21-17, I think, going, going into, into the, the fourth, fourth quarter. Yes. Houston is feisty. They're yes, they competitive. Are. Yes, they are. But you've got it. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can do against them. Defensively, they're going to be competitive. Offensively, though, they've been really challenged. If you mm-hmm. stop Damian Pierce, you know, Cooks has been off the radar here because he got pissed off about not being traded at the deadline. Did score the one short touchdown right. the other day. Culturally, Probably still some issues there, yep. but you know you can't allow Davis Mills to get confidence going. That group outside of Damian Pierce, the running back, has been fantastic, but you can't allow them to get any confidence going you against you. And you've got to make plays, stay in the game for four quarters. This, 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 because this group is going to be feisty against you. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Coming up, we'll take more of your calls. Final hour of the show is straight ahead. Is there much of a decision at all for Ron Rivera this week as it pertains to who the quarterback is taking on the Texans? 301-230-0980. Streaming live for free. And there's a lot of you out there today on the Odyssey.